Hello and welcome to the Parish Podcast of St. Anthony of Padua Catholic Church in the Woodlands, Texas. We're excited to share with you Sunday at St. Anthony's, a homily message from this past weekend that we hope you'll find enlightening. Thanks for tuning in and praying with us. Jesus came down with the twelve and stood on a stretch of level ground with a great crowd of his disciples and a large number of people from all Judea and Jerusalem and the coastal region of Tyre and Sidon. And raising his eyes toward his disciples, he said, Blessed are you who are poor, for the kingdom of God is yours. Blessed are you who are now hungry, for you will be satisfied. Blessed are you who are now weeping, for you will laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you and when they exclude and insult you and denounce your name as evil on account of the Son of Man. Rejoice and leap for joy on that day. Behold, your reward will be great in heaven. For their ancestors treated the prophets in the same way. But woe to you who are rich, for you have received your consolation. Woe to you who are filled now, for you will go hungry. Woe to you who laugh now, for you will grieve and weep. Woe to you when all speak well of you for their ancestors treated the false prophets in this way. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. There was a time when nuns used to run hospitals. Some of you might remember that many religious orders of nuns founded many of the hospitals that that are still in existence today. Well, one day, Mr. Smith was taken to Mercy Hospital, run by the Sisters of Mercy, and he was rushed in for heart surgery. And the operation was a success as the groggy man regained consciousness, Sister Mary was by his side, comforting and reassuring him. As Sister Mary was gently patting his hand, she said, Mr. Smith, you're going to be just fine, but we do need to know how you intend to pay for your stay here. Are you covered by insurance? No, I'm not, he said with a hoarse voice. Then can you pay in cash, persisted Sister Mary. I'm afraid I cannot, Sister. Well, do you have any close relatives, she asked sternly. Well, just my sister in New Mexico, but she's just a humble, unmarried Spencer woman, Spencer Nunn. Oh, I must correct you, Mr. Smith, said Sister Mary. Nuns are not unmarried. 
they're married to God. Oh, wonderful, said Mr. Smith. In that case, please send the bill to my brother-in-law. <laughs> God provides. And as we heard in the DSF video, uh, St. Joseph's Clinic precisely caters to persons who are not, um, who are not insured. But suffering is all around us. And if I were to give my homily a theme or a title, it would be this. Blessed are, you, are those who suffer because they will experience resurrection, both in this life and in eternal life. That would be the theme. So that's what I want to convey to you. And there's nothing more real to us than our personal and collective suffering. As I've gotten to know some of you, been to your houses for dinner, some of you have come to my office, I've gotten to know the personal suffering you have lived or are living now. Collectively, we continue to suffer through the pandemic, through economic difficulties, there's now new tension with Russia, and the list could go on. In the Gospel, Luke identifies the sufferings of poverty, still with us, of hunger, of weeping or grieving, the experience of hatred, of being excluded and insulted, and being called evil, even as we seek to do good. And so we could ask, how can we say that suffering persons are blessed? And this is what I want to convey, that the blessed are those who go from death to resurrection, from suffering to true love and true joy. And this is what St. Paul wants to convey in the second reading, the centrality of the resurrection of Jesus, that the Christian can hope only in the resurrected Christ. The Christian centers his or her life around the death and resurrection of Jesus, holding this dynamic of death and resurrection, suffering and love as the pattern of our thoughts, the pattern of our words, the pattern of our actions. When Jesus reminds us that to follow him means picking up our cross daily, we have to remember that Jesus has given new meaning to the cross. We recall or recognize that that cursed object has become the means by which we have been saved from our sins. And often, I do this myself, we think of the cross, when we think of the cross, we forget that it's really a crucifix. That is, Jesus is on that cross that we carry daily. And so our daily crosses have Jesus on them. Now, I want to point out an important moment when Jesus is on the cross, a moment when we say Jesus suffered the most. It was when, while on the cross, he cried out, 
my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And we'll hear it in the readings during the Triduum in Aramaic, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani. In my life, I've learned that when it comes to suffering, to take instruction from only one, from the crucified Jesus who felt abandoned by all, especially God, his Father. For many years, and still now, I look to that divine face, twisted in pain, whose blood-shot eyes gaze at me with such kindness and tenderness and mercy, forgetting my and all our sins, which, in effect, reduced him to such a condition. In my life, I continue to have constantly before my eyes him in that state because I've seen that when I'm centered on him, I'm focused on God alone. In Jesus forsaken, we find in one way or another that he experienced every, every suffering any human being can go through. Let me give you some examples. Poverty. He gave up everything. He gave up his dignity, his union with God. He gave up his life. He, he experienced hunger hanging on the cross, but also the spiritual hunger for that union he had always experienced with his father. He is the one who weeps and grieves. He grieves the loss of this relationship with the Father. We find the one who is hated, not only by humanity who crucified him, but also seemingly hated by heaven and his Father, who allows him to experience this harsh abandonment. He's the excluded one, excluded even from heaven. He's the insulted one, not only because he's hanging on the cross, which is an insult in itself, but because in his cry of abandonment, he appears no longer as the son of God, but as a mere man. And although he is the holiest one, it seems the greatest evil has befallen him. And there is no higher or more perfect expression of his human and divine love than that cry, than that moment. In my life, I've seen that some experiences of suffering lead to exasperation. Just last night at two in the morning, I got a call that a young man, 16-year-old, took his life. It becomes maddening to the point where we say, enough already. But Jesus forsaken is also the exasperated one. My point is this. In every suffering, we find him who comes to visit us, to be with us, looking to us to love him. And I've seen that almost I've seen an almost continuous conversation with God, a conversation that's so very refined because it's distilled through suffering. And this is prayer. I've seen that 
when we identify Jesus forsaken in each one of our sufferings, embrace him, dwell with him. He never fails to help us. Actually, he soothes our soul, he comforts us, and in a somewhat automatic and spontaneous way, we find our suffering transformed into deeper love, into deeper and truer joy. We then give proof of his help. By that joy of life, we exude, notwithstanding what we're living, notwithstanding everything. Christian joy is like a ray of light reflected from a tear, or like a rose that blossoms from a drop of blood. That's why it's unique joy, the joy only Jesus can give. And it, in, and it impacts others, others see it, and it attracts others to God. Luke points out that there can be a huge disconnect between those who have suffered or are suffering and those who have not yet been touched by suffering. But believe me, sooner or later it will come to visit and it will be Jesus coming to you in the moment he suffered the most, which now, after the resurrection, we know is the moment he loved us the most. Jesus took upon himself the darkest possible suffering as only the Son of God could experience, and he resurrected. So he left us a key, a dynamic, a pattern, where in our suffering, we recognize him, and if it is him, then he is love, and if we embrace him who is love in that suffering, we truly experience how from death comes life, that our suffering transforms into truer love, into truer joy. And when we understand and then and then we understand why Jesus calls those who are poor those who are hungry, those rejected, in essence, why he calls those who suffer blessed. So blessed are those who suffer because they will experience res resurrection both in this life and in eternal life. Amen. <laughs>